0: If you're new, this is a unique Sunday. And unique doesn't mean bad, okay? So unique, that can mean all kinds of things. Oh, that was very unique. This is a good Sunday for you to be here. We have these a couple times a year. where on behalf of our leadership team. We have what we like to call a family conversation, okay? And it's a window into who we are as to how we see God working in our midst, as well as calling us forward on a mission, And so if you are new, we're glad you're here for today because you get a unique nuance to be able to pull back the curtain and see who we are, and I hope you enjoy yourself with us this morning. Also, uh, if you've been around for a while, if this is your church home, I pray that you're enriched and energized by God's faithfulness in our midst. But regardless of whether you're a veteran, regardless of whether you're a guest, okay, one thing I want you to walk away with this morning that will be the echo of our whole time together And that's God isn't done surprising us. God isn't done surprising us. Now, five or so years ago, there were about 10 individuals roughly that met in a loft and began praying and asking what it would look like to have a faith community in the heart of our city for the hearts of our city. And as we think about the origination of our downtown campus, the history of Christ's community runs much deeper. As a church, we're about 26 years old, so we can legally rent a car as an organization, which is pretty exciting. But about six years ago, (laughs) just irrelevant information, six years ago, uh, we began praying and asking, what does it look like for us as we enter this third decade of ministry? What is God calling us to? And we felt God calling us to a decade of deployment, of unique capacity to now give ourselves away to our neighborhood, city, and world through multiplying churches, multiplying disciples, and multiplying leaders. Now, I'd love to get all the campus pastors and our senior pastors here in this campus to tell you a little bit of what's going on and discuss those things together, but obviously that's a bit impossible. So what we did instead is when we were gathering together to film our community group curriculum for the winter session, we started talking about these things and said, what if we started filming okay, and capture some of these ideas? Now, the video I'm about to show you is a little bit longer than we normally show because whenever you get pastors, let alone seven pastors in a room, okay, things just start going and we don't know how to be quiet. So I hope you can engage with us for some 15 or so minutes. And I want you to also know that this wasn't scripted. okay? This is a genuine conversation. We had some ideas of what we were shooting for, but it was really the overflow of our heart as we began to discuss how and the ways in which God has surprised us in the past and the ways in which we hope he continues to surprise us in the future. Before we watch this, one last thing. When you see this, you're going to see one of my favorite things about serving here at Christ Community because I get to serve with some of my best friends. These guys are comrades of mine. They're friends. They're they're my companions in ways in which that we brainstorm, we pray, we carry each other's burdens. And as you watch, you're going to see... I pray that collaboration that's at the heart of our church across five campuses. As we get to follow Jesus together, proclaim the gospel together, seek the flourishing of communities and the glory of God. Okay? Well, let's watch. I mean, I know he surprised me when I was only supposed to be here for two years as a pastoral fellow. And then, voila, five years later, um, they couldn't get rid of me. Uh, You know, I had no idea what I'd be able to see God do in and amongst, you know, Christ community across the metro. And I'm convinced, we're convinced that God isn't done surprising us. Now, as soon as you hear that, especially if you're new, that can sound really presumptuous or really arrogant. Let me pause and pump the brakes here for a second. That has little to do with who we are, actually nothing to do with who we are, because we have a lot to learn, there are really great churches doing really great things within Kansas City. And just being at our Common Good Conference yesterday, there was so much in terms of my own understanding, in terms of our engagement of the city and the role of the church in that, that I feel like we have a lot of room for improvement. And yet, what gives me the confidence to say that God isn't done surprising us has everything to do with who God is. And his character, his passion to see his mission carried out, his desire to see people come to saving faith in him, his desire to see whole persons flourishing because of the gospel. That's why I have confidence that God isn't done surprising us. And as God continues to carry out his deploying mission of multiplying churches, multiplying disciples, and multiplying leaders, the question each and every one of us should be asking, and as campuses should be asking within community, is what is it going to take? What is it going to take? As we we seek to be thoughtful leaders influencing our community and world for Jesus Christ, what does that look like for us downtown? The various neighborhoods that are in our downtown, the broader city, and even more globally, what does that look like for us? Well, if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Joshua chapter 1? It's located in the Old Testament. If you're using one of our community Bibles, it's found on page number 178. And in one sense, okay, let's be very clear here. Our context couldn't be any more different than Joshua's context. And yet simultaneously, the lessons that are learned here from God's people are just as relevant today as they were 3,000 years ago. Just this past summer, if you've been with us, we spent some time learning and remembering and watching how God has worked and had worked through his leader, Moses. And Joshua replaces Moses after his death in this strategic moment of leadership as all of Israel stands at the edge of the promised land, waiting to see what God might do. You see, Joshua is kind of in a similar position that we are as a church, that the church has found itself time and time again, that he can look behind and see these vivid memories of God's surprising work of deliverance. But he also stands in a place of anticipation and expectation that God's surprising work still lies ahead. Well, here they are. Israel, God's people, on the cusp of the promised land, on the cusp of something exciting, something terrifying simultaneously. And God tells Joshua, tells his people, and really tells us three important things to stay on mission together. Here they are. Let God set the mission let God have your fears and let God be your courage. Let God set the mission. Let God have your fears and let God be your courage. And it all starts with letting God set your mission. Right here in Joshua 1, it's not Joshua and these wig leaders who are making the game-breaking decisions to lead Israel. It's actually God who's doing this, but how? Look with me at Joshua chapter 1, and we're going to read a couple parts out of Joshua 1, verses 1 through 9. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. And then jump down to verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. You can't miss it. Right here at the beginning, how does God set the agenda? By putting his word at the center of the community. God has spoken and he has given guidance. This is true for every believer, no matter your context. God has spoken, God has given guidance. And whether it be your business, whether it be your marriage, whether it be any of your relationships, and especially this church, God has spoken and God has given guidance. Now, one of the most terrifying thoughts for me is that we as a church would get ahead of God and so become very presumptuous as to where God is leading and stamp God's name on it. And if we ever get to that point, God help us and we need to turn to a heart of repentance, That's why Christ's community isn't built on some grand vision as to where the church should be in the future. It's not built on a personality or a team of pastors. Instead, God willing, and we pray this is true, that it's built on this book and what God has said. And so really what guides us is faithful little steps day by day, pursuing his will as he has spoken in his word. That's how we let God set the mission. And as soon as we stray from that, then the church begins to crumble. And it, you may have success. Listen, even this word success here, we need to understand isn't what oftentimes our world considers success. It actually means insight and understanding and allowing God to so speak and depending upon his word that he guides you into flourishing the way he's designed you to be. Understand that's the concept, that's the framework in which God is guiding his people with his word at the center. Let God set the mission. But whenever we do that, whenever we let God set the trajectory, the mission, it's going to guide us into some pretty terrifying places. Obedience to God's will guides us into terrifying places because we're not the ones who charted that path. That requires a level of trust that he knows better than I do when the game day decision takes place that I'm gonna take right if he says right even though I wanna go left and that can be terrifying. So it's not only letting God set the mission but also letting God have your fears. Letting God have your fears. This is what I love about this particular story in scripture. God's greatest concern is It isn't about everything else, the threats that surround God's people. All the enemies that are around them, the power that they have, that's not God's focus. Instead, God focuses in, he zeroes in on their fear, not their enemies. In chapter 1, verse 9, God uses two words to describe their fear. Look with me at chapter 1, verse 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. He's really trying to emphasize their greatest threat is the fear that resides within them. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And I'm convinced this is still the greatest threat for us as a church today. Sure, we don't have the same enemies. It's not the same tactical issues. But the greatest obstacle isn't what's outside of this community, The greatest obstacle is what lies within the fear that can so easily paralyze us when God calls us to be faithful and following after him. And so as we seek to follow him, we have to come against our own preferences, our own comfort, our own ease, our own safety. And listen here, there's a lot in this world to be terrified about. Okay, You don't have to be someone who lives in heightened anxiety to know that there is a lot of legitimate fears in this world. We live in an ever-changing world with a globalized economy, with external hostilities, internal strife, the anxiety and the depression that comes with making hard decisions in life, the fear of failure, the fear of regret. And whenever you let God set the mission, whether it be for your life, your business, this church your relationships, what you're really doing is surrendering control. And that's terrifying. That's where trust kicks in. And that's where fear holds us back. To surrender. To say, you set the mission. Okay, go this way. What That way? What's holding you back? What fears are holding you back? What does it look like for you to take this next step on God's mission? For example, you may be here this morning and you're not a Christian. You've been coming for a while. You've been asking questions and we're ecstatic you're here. Let me communicate this very explicitly. We long to create a safe space where you can dialogue and ask your questions about faith. But maybe you're here this morning, just maybe, and it's less about a philosophical argument or a logical incongruence. And it's more about losing control in your life. It's more about giving up your freedom, your personal sovereignty, and now trusting God's sovereignty in your life. To believe that his freedom and what he promises in submission to him is better than freedom without him. Let God have your fears. Let God have your fears. Maybe you're here this morning and you are a Christian And you feel that tug to go deeper in community and maybe you're not in a community group. Well, our community groups are already underway for the fall, but begin to make plans to engage one this winter. We want to make space. We want to invite you into that. Or maybe, just maybe you're in a community group and you've been putting up barriers. Week two, still it's a hard outer shell and you're never letting anyone know you. Look. There's an importance to emotional pacing. You don't need to vomit everything that's going on in your life in the first five minutes. That's good. That's healthy. But when you never let the wall down, when you never invite others in, that's a sign of great fear that's holding on. And it's going to keep you from God's best in your life. What's holding you back? Let God have your fear. Maybe this morning it's about serving. And I don't just mean serving within the church, but connecting with one of our partners that are doing really good work across the city. And you know that's going to require an element of sacrifice in your weekly rhythms. Maybe it is service on a Sunday morning, being able to contribute back to the church and your time and talents in that way. And the fear of giving up another hour on a Sunday morning if you happen to serve in first service and come to second. Let God have your fears. And maybe, just maybe, it's generosity because i honestly think well this is true for me i'll put it that way i love money what i hope i don't love well i do let's be real i love money and i love the things that money gets you and i just bought a new house that's an old house okay it's around 100 years old and every my wife can attest every night i go to bed i see a project on the ceiling and every morning i wake up i see projects and those take money right And yet, even amidst that, there's always going to be projects. And each and every one of us here this morning are called to generosity to continue to fuel the mission of what God has called us to as a church. One, to continue to build up a support base so that the downtown campus can be sustainable in and of itself but also to go above and beyond so that we might be able to help pay for our Shawnee campus who's brand new they can't pay for their bills right now and we this is a part of doing this together as we get the opportunity to support to come alongside and as we think about future campuses the multiplication mission that God has called us to let God have your fears But not just let God set the mission and then simultaneously let God have your fears. Whenever you get to those moments, it's not just about surrendering our fears because we have to step out. And if we're going to ever step out, it's got to be in courage. Let God be your courage. You see, time and again, three times actually, in verses five through nine of Joshua one, we hear the repetition, be strong and courageous, be strong and very courageous, be strong and courageous. Haven't I said this already? You know, in essence, God says. But why and what is the basis for their courage? It's not their abilities. It's not their wisdom. It's not their wealth. Actually, it's bookended, the basis is, in verse five and verse nine. The emphasis is God's presence with them. The reason they can have courage even when they feel like their own wells have run dry is that God is there, is that God is there, that he'll never leave them or forsake them. We're at the end of verse 9, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I mean, it's God who is our hope. It's God who's our mission. It's God who's our joy, and he's here with us. Even as we think about the gospel and what God has done in Jesus where he sent his son to live, to die, and then rise again, he promised he would not leave us abandoned, but sent his Holy Spirit, the helper, the paraclete, to dwell within us individually and uniquely be among the church when we gather together in his name. Why? Because God loves his redemptive mission and he cares about his world and he longs for genuine renewal of all things through Christ. He's our hope. He hasn't given up. He will continue to pursue. And now we're called to be faithful with his presence, to be strong and courageous because God is with us. And listen, I can't tell you how much joy it is to